is incredible. I'm so glad this morning that we feel the draft when young people are away from the church. Um, and Christian talked about that this morning. Because with the greatest respect, lots of churches this morning haven't got any young people. And uh, are desperate for sort of that to change. So we ought to be rejoicing, delighted that part of the expression of Arena Church is a whole raft of young people that we really do miss this morning. Some of you may sort of think as well, thank God we've not got drums this morning, but you won't want drums without, you won't, I was just there this morning thinking that I wouldn't want to be without the drums every week as well. We've, mi- we've missed the drums, Julie, tell the drummers, okay. And uh, we just bless the Lord for his goodness and all that he's done. Let me just, before I come to the message, and uh, I'll, I'll give an intro into that in a moment. The power of influence is amazing. And uh, when we understand the power of influence together it is absolutely incredible listening to a, a disc in, in the car the, the other day of a man that was uh, uh, by the age of two didn't have a father and he grew up with lots of rejection uh, to the extent that when he was 14 he was burglaring houses it's an American man and uh, pinching guns and all sorts of stuff and the reality is somebody invaded his life um, that brought help to him this man was a complete unsung hero but here's the, here's, the, here's the phrase that, that came to me, and it's a phrase that will be appropriate to our ministry this morning. This man gave away his life for others. He didn't own his own house. He was completely unsung. But when he died, he was a baseball fan. They held the service in a baseball stadium, and the man who'd been influenced by this man was staggered that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people came to pay respects to another one of God's unsung heroes that nobody knew about, that had given his life away for others. The reflection of this man that became a, a believer in his mid-teens was that this man had actually fathered him. And so this man at now 38 is setting up a fathering mentoring program in America. The reality is that 94% of prisoners in America are male and 87% of the 94% have never had a dad. Work the figures out. And the fact of the matter is that what takes place in that nation is taking place in our nation. It's a fatherless generation that is producing, friends, incredible fruit, not for good. So the reality of the power of influence is that there's a coalition of people come together that are now going to official state government and saying, wouldn't it be fantastic if for the next 10 years we reduce the male prison population in America by 15%? Because that's what we believe we can do when we set up a fathering mentoring program that gives some sense of ministry to people. I just share that this morning because the influence that carries out from our church on our own is going to be minuscule, but together can be a tipping point, friends, that can bring community transformation. It really can. And if it happens in our town, if it happens in Mansfield, it happens in villages, towns and cities all across the nation, we really still can believe when sometimes things seem bleak and dark spiritually that God can come again and do something amazing for our nation to the glory and praise of his name. This morning we're, uh, we're, we're, we're beginning a series that will take us right up to the Christmas program called Carriers. I want you to know, and Christian said this on many occasions, that you know, we don't just bring ministry to the church on a Sunday morning because somehow it's a good idea. We, we wait on it, we think about it, we pray about it, we strategize it. We sometimes weep over it as well as laugh over it. We prepare ourselves before we can minister to you. And we want the ministry to be now ministry. That is prophetic ministry. Prophecy is not just... The prophetic ministry to the church is not just somebody giving a prophecy. We need that. But it's the nowness of God. It's God speaking into the season of the church. That's ministry. 
It's not just touching our heads, friends, but it's changing our hearts. It's not just us talking about God, it's actually God being revealed in his word to minister to us and to make us different, to set us up for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and for the rest of the week. And we come out of that visionary season to sort of have a fresh look at what we would call culture carriers. Now, on your, on your uh, uh, seat this morning would be a, a, a brochure, and I'll come back to that in a moment or two. But I want you to really engage over the next six or seven uh, Sunday mornings, because this is the now word of God to Arena Church. It is something that uh, every one of us need to allow God to help us really imbibe within us that we might be all that God intends us to be. So I'm going to read three verses from the Bible, if they can go up on the screen. First of all, Matthew 28, 19 to 20, that says these words. Therefore, God make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. I'll say that again, perhaps with a bit more emphasis. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've... Com- commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age I'm going to change this thing because it's it's not working and then uh, Acts chapter 11 verse 26 Acts chapter 11 and verse 26 where the Christians are or rather the disciples are found in Antioch. And it says these words. It says this. It says, And when, then Paul went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. 2 Corinthians three seventeen to 18. The final Bible reading just to launch us into what we're speaking about, which says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. And who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Here's three verses that remind us this morning, because we're going to talk particularly in terms of our value this morning for a few moments. We could spend a lot of time on it, but we're going to talk for a few moments about carrying the cultural value of discipleship. But before I get to that, I just want to bring a little bit of a, uh, of a preface to it, a preamble to it, that will just help us to get to the body of the ministry. You see, the reality is, friends, that culture impacts us whether we like it or not. Culture is not a fad. Culture is not just a good idea. In fact, culture in terms of local church is something that prophetically we need to engage with and absorb. It's part of the nowness of God. We have to be intentional about culture because here's what happens. If we are careless and indifferent, we still have a culture. But it's a culture that reflects our indifference, our apathy, and our carelessness. That's why we have to be passionately intentional about establishing in the house what God wants for the glory of his name. About 18 months ago, we did a series in the church called Arena DNA. We did a bit of a play on DNA. 
And uh, the reality is that we have a spiritual DNA within us. It's individually received. We become Christians. It's increasingly revealed. We become more and more like Jesus. So that if we kick off at the shop, Eric, he actually stops us from getting out of the door and we go back and say sorry. That's growth. That's character. That's becoming more like Jesus. Some of you wouldn't have given two hoots about that before you became a Christian, but it gets more complicated when you become one because the Spirit of God lives in you and his passion is that we, in every facet of our lives, would live like Jesus. And on occasions, it is incredibly discomforting. You can talk about the comforter all that you like. I find the Holy Spirit on occasions, friends, incredibly discomforting to my life because he's passionate about me living like him and bringing glory to the Lord. Driving the car, going to the shops, attitudes in all sorts of situations, he's interested in those things. And the reality is that the DNA is not only individually received and increasingly revealed, but it's also interdependently reflected which brings us to the power of culture. In other words, it's not just you doing it on your own, but it's you doing it with others. It's not just me being church, it's us being church. It's not just me being part of the body of Christ, but it's all of us being part of the body of Christ. It's not just what I can get from church, it's what I can give to church. That's how it works. Many people don't understand culture, friends in church, because they are still coming to church for what's in it for me. It's the wrong question. It will never draw us into cultural values if we just live in the consumerist attitude of a western civilization that says, I judge church against the shops I go to, the cinema I go and watch, and everything else in life. No, it's all about what I can give to it. If you give to it, you'll get from it. If you pour in, somebody will pour into you. It just works like that. And as we see that, we realize that God wants to do something amazing amongst us. And the first issue that we taught on the DNA series, and you'll have it there this morning, is discipleship. The reality is that the notes in that DNA series are the notes that both I and then also took from other contributors to that series. We've not tried to change them. We've not added to them. The major points are the major points of that ministry And I'm not going to spend the whole time this morning ministering that message again, and nor are the contributors over the next few weeks. They're there for you. But the reality is this, that God's called us, friends, to establish cultural values in the house. And we're in a season in the life of the church where we are being increasingly intentional about the cultural values of Arena Church. The values that understand that we've received a DNA that's not natural, but spiritual. That's not earthly, but heavenly. That's not from below, but that's from above. And that brings a challenge to our lives to live like Jesus Christ. And then the values of discipleship and of passion, which Christian will deal with next week. And of unity and of team and of generosity, which we've seen this morning. And of faith and of mercy and of aspiration. These are not up for grabs. They're not up for debate. They're not for a committee meeting to decide whether we're really going to implement them. These are non-negotiables of the house of arena. These are things that we will live and die for. These are things, friends, will take us forward into the next season of being the local church that God has destined us to be in the earth in these days. And if we'll grab it, and if we'll take hold of it, and if we'll interdependently reflect it, it can be awesome. So, you'll have a brochure, and I encourage you to use the brochure. 
be a bit disappointing if there's a number of planes that have come down from the first floor onto the car park made up of the brochure by the end of the service. I'd encourage you to put it in your Bible with deliberately. We're going to produce a, a number of the teaching materials that we've rolled out into the church both Sundays and midweek over the next few months. We're going to do it in this type of format because it easily goes in your Bible or your notepad or whatever. And uh, people are going to do some of that work on our behalf for us. But you've got the brochure. I encourage you to bring the brochure. There's some room for notes. You can draw on it. You can make notes that are appropriate for you. The reality is there's going to be a short revisit of the material. And then, as I bring the message to a conclusion this morning, there's going to be about five short, pithy statements that are going to appear on the screen. And over the next few weeks, we're going to do something slightly different because for two or three minutes, this is why I've got the stool I'm going to sit on the stool and uh, I'm just going to let you look at the statements. You can write them down. You can think about them. You can, you can pray saying, God, what does that mean to me? Two or three minutes, the, me- the message is not finished and then I'll just bring it back with a concluding thought at the end. But the reality is, friends, that I can get steamed up about culture. Christian can. The reality is if we are trying to just carry it on our own. It is never going to work. The impassioned plea is that every one of us locks in to what God is saying to our church for this particular time. Now, what is culture? Well, culture emphasizes ethos and expression of an organization. And uh, it, brings, it brings values to a church. And isn't it fantastic that when you're thinking about ministry on a Sunday, you end up in a context earlier in the week where somebody actually defines it probably even better than that. So, definition of culture, courtesy of Dr. John Andrews, thank you John, Hub Church leader, Rotherham, Tuesday morning speaking about defining the culture of our denomination that we belong to called Assemblies of God, and he put it far better than I could, and I give him all the glory this morning. It's this, the definition of culture is the belief and behavior characteristic of a particular group. The belief and behavior characteristic of a particular group. So Walmart, for instance, the American grocery store, have a culture that if any customer comes within 10 meters of a member of staff, that member of staff looks them in the face and smiles. I don't know whether any of you have been to Asla Langley Mill yet. I haven't, but that is part of the Walmart, Walmart group. You might like to tell me afterwards if the staff there are implementing that cultural value. You see, I go into shops today where I've paid money to the shop and the shop assistant's never spoken to me. I heard across the road the other day that the lady had got diabetes and she was on tablets. I heard also that the other lady was uh, late for work because the bus hadn't come and Jesus got the blame. And uh, you, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? This is across the counter. Jesus got the blame for the bus coming late. And I want to say, friends, that if I was managing that shop, I'd want to address some of those cultural attitudes because they wouldn't reflect, I don't think, the management. And the reality is that somebody talked in a book called Axiom of somebody that established a, a car sale showroom, the best after service that you could ever get, attention to detail, making the customer feel confident, But the reality is that they found out that when they spread that further afield and drew other people in, other people weren't behaving in that way. In other words, they'd not caught the cultural values that made that company work. Christianity is about belief. 
The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We make no apology about it. It's a, it's a religion, if I can put it that way, even though it's not a religion, you know what I mean? But it's a religion of belief, of conviction. Belief, because we believe on Jesus, but it's also about behavior. The Bible says in that verse that I read from 2 Corinthians 3 that we're changed from one degree of glory to another. And here's the truth. You may feel that you're not, you've still got a long way to go, but you've also come a long way. Remember when you first became a Christian three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, nine years ago, 11 years ago, and realize where you've come to now. God has been so good. Almost without you realizing at times, you've been changed from one degree of glory to another. Yeah, you still get it wrong at times. You're still rebuked by the Spirit of God at times. You're still pulled up short. But there's a process in place. Here's what needs to happen. We need to allow that process to continue in our lives. If I'm not more like Jesus now than I was six months ago, there is something wrong. And sometimes, friends, we need to do an audit on our own lives. We need to find a quiet space and ask if our attitude is better than what it was, if our language is better than what it was. And we need to continue to ask that God will take us from one degree of glory to another because our belief as a Christian needs to also be exemplified in our behavior as a Christian. And friends, we don't kid the world on, because the world is looking for both. The world says, we know about your beliefs, but actually sometimes you've left us short by the way that you behave. And they are looking for both. The arising, emerging young generation is looking for authenticity. It's looking for people that will implement what they say in their lives. And friends, when they see it, they'll join it, they'll embrace it, and they'll be part of the great counterculture of the kingdom that God has called us to exemplify at this time. So God's passion is not that we'd only just be believers, but that we'd be followers, that we'd be behavior changers, which brings us to discipleship. Because discipleship is all about you and I in our lives showing that the belief that we have made in Jesus Christ has made a difference. Read the Gospels. I'm not sure where people have got this Gospel message that came from, that if you come to Jesus, you go off into one of those lovely romantic films with the, the, the steam sort of wafting around your legs. Happy ever after. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, says, I've come to bring a sword. I've come to shake things up. I've come to redefine your purpose for being on earth. I've come to address your priorities. I've come to speak about your attitudes. I've come to to talk into the deep recesses of your heart. I have called not only Christians, but I have called you to be disciples. And here's the truth. Discipleship is not just for parachurch, it's for local church. And the reason we've got parachurch that is organizations that operate outside of local church, is because local church has been so weak on discipleship. And so we've had passionate people that have not been able to find their expression of ministry and discipleship journey through the church. So with the greatest respect to all of these organizations, they've gone to Youth with a Mission. They've gone to Operation Mobilization. They've gone to Mercy Ships. And so the list goes on. And friends, that... We thank God for all of those ministries that have been raised up, but that ought to break the heart of the local church. Because I'm convinced that some of these people don't have to go anywhere. 
We have to create an opportunity for them where in fertile soil they can live out their discipleship in the very place where God has called them to be. Change from one degree of glory to another. Here's what somebody said about discipleship. Discipleship is a process of becoming like Jesus. Discipleship is a process of becoming like Jesus. At the beginning of that ministry on discipleship, I said discipleship is not automatic. It needs to be intentional. It's not mystical. It's practical. It's not instant. It's a process. It's not just knowing. It's demonstrating. And it's not private. It lives out there in the public domain, friends. The passion of Arena Church, the passion of the leadership of Arena Church... The prophetic mandate upon Arena Church at this time, friends, is that we would not just be attendees at Arena Church, but that we would be people that give ourselves to the cultural value of the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And here's how it works sometimes. It means that some people are going to turn up on Sunday morning sometimes and the word of God's going to be like it was in Jeremiah where it talks about it being a fire and a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. Now, here's how lots of us respond to that. We somehow feel as though God's got it in for us. God doesn't seem to be speaking to anybody else as severely as he's speaking to me about that. The reality is, friends, if you just took a few minutes, you'd find it was happening all over the building. But the enemy's saying to you, the little accusing voice, well, don't take it too seriously because nobody else is bothered. In other words, he's trying to lay on us, friends, Don't stop me now. We'll come to that in another context of the week. Before we step into the cultural value of becoming more like him, suggesting to us that nobody else has signed up to it. But here's the truth. We're all signed up to it. And so there's going to be times, friends, when the word of God's ministered in arena. It's going to be uncomfortable. Because God's going to continually seek to redress our priorities and our attitudes in terms of if we committed to the process of becoming more like Jesus Christ. It's a calling, it's a commitment, and it's a challenge. But God is doing something. And I want to tell you, friends, I believe in these days, please hear me, because I've thought a lot about this in recent days. I believe in these days to the Western church across our world, which is multi-millions strong, that there is a prophetic call to that church to freshly embrace the challenge of discipleship. The reality is, friends, that in the Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles, there's over 250 references to disciples and three to Christian. Am I bagging Christians? No. But the reality is in Antioch, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, were first called Christians. How do we describe these people? Well, the only way we can describe them is They reflect Christ. They're Christians. And the reason they reflected Christ is because they pitched up for the journey of discipleship. Friends, I believe it's a prophetic call that God's not going to let the church off with. I really believe that he's laid something in the soil in these particular days that he's causing church to arise with. Now you may say to me, well, it's not the first time that's happened. It certainly isn't. Even as short a time ago as the early 70s, there was a heart cry across the Christian church for discipleship. It emerged initially in South America. I'd have to say, friends, this morning openly and honestly, 
There were some mistakes made. There were people that sought top down to enforce discipleship on people. You can't, it's a hard attitude. That said, the clarion call to the discipleship comes through leaders. We'll come to that another time. The cultural value of our church is what do we think about our leaders in the church? You may say, well, you would say that, wouldn't you? But I also come under leadership in context. What is my attitude to those leaders? And the reality is, friends, I'm finding out that some leaders in certain contexts don't know how to be submitters in others, and it creates an issue. And the fact of the matter is, friends, there are times when I exercise spiritual authority that God's given me to the church, but there are also times where I come under spiritual authority for the cause of the church. And here's a cultural value. What is your attitude to spiritual authority? What is your attitude to the shepherds of God's flock that he has placed in the church? It's actually part of our discipleship. Because the disciples in this church will never overly impose something upon us that becomes overbearing and burdensome. But they will passionately call people to the journey of going on this ride together that embraces the values of the kingdom of God. You see, when we get that, when we get the mandate of Jesus afresh that we're to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, something amazing can happen. Many local churches have allowed the enemy to define themselves simply by the context that they find themselves in. If you've been in this church for any length of time, you'll know that we won't allow that to happen. Because our remit, friends, is local, regional, cross-cultural, and international to the ends of the earth. That is Acts 1.8 in operation. In other words, friends, we won't be bound by the, by the limitations of what the enemy would place upon our lives. A call to passionate, devoted following of Jesus. Now, I'm getting frightened because I've, I've just recently, and I'm always off the pace with these things, but I've just recently joined Twitter. And uh, Anne-Miriam sent a tweet out this week saying, my dad's on Twitter. He's not tweeted anything yet, but he's on Twitter. And I've now sent one to them, and apparently Julie says, oh, no, it didn't go private. It went across everything. So anyway, um, so I'm on a bit of a journey. But the frightening thing is I've got some followers. I've got some, pe- I've got some people saying, I'm following you. So I thought, well, I better, I better start coming up with something good to say to these people. And I thought about it. I thought, you know, fantastic that we can follow people, but it all brings us back to who are we following? Who are we following? Who are we following? And his name is Jesus. Gemma, I wonder if you could put those five statements up on the board for us as we draw the ministry to a conclusion this morning. I don't know whether it's possible to get them all up on. Is it possible to get them all up together? No? Okay. I'll I'll run through them then. So here's the first one for you to think about. And then I'm going to give, literally, I'm going to give a couple of moments of quiet. And it'll be very, it'll be very unnerving, the quietness. I'm not asking for music at the back. It'll be very unnerving. But I'm going to ask for a couple of moments of quiet. And then I've got a final statement to finish. So there's not another 15 minutes of ministry. We're drawing it to a conclusion. But here's the first one. We will commit, this is church, this is Arena Church, in committing to their cultural value of saying that discipleship is part of what we are. It's our belief that reflects itself in our behavior. So the first thing is we will commit to the ongoing development of our spiritual journey to Christ-likeness for a lifetime. 
The original word in the New Testament language for disciple is matites. It literally means learner. I stood in front of one congregation some time ago with a learner plate on. It never comes off. We are committed to the process of discipleship to Christ-likeness in all of our lives for a lifetime. And sometimes some of us think we've cracked it. And then God allows us to mess up and say, where to go? Where to go? Number two, we will continually be open to God's word speaking into our lives, maintaining a teachable spirit. You see, if we are learners, we've got to be continually open to God. And the cultural value of this church is, well, I've heard that before. Oh, we need something new. I've heard that before. The cultural value of the church, friends, is that we are forever open with a teachable spirit to what God wants to say to us at any time. And we receive it into the inner being of our heart. Number three, we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, I've not, tr- you, you notice I've not tried to overdefine that. I've not tried to overdefine it. But whatever that means to you, it's about priority. Some of us are trying to claim the promise of all things being added to us without implementing the priority of seeking first the kingdom. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Number four, which goes back to one of the visionary state messages of Christian, we will face the challenge of dying to self and so living for God. That's what a disciple does. He's like that unsung hero that influenced that man at 14 to be a father to him. So that this man is now thinking of influencing a nation. He gives his life away for others. You may say, well, we all do that, don't we? Do we? Do we? What about when we're inconvenienced? What about when we've got to stretch ourselves? What about when it takes us out of our comfort zones? What about when we've got to take a gulp? A disciple commits to the challenge of dying to self and living to God. And it's all about running to a cross again and again and again. Number five, we will will implement the great commission of Jesus, Matthew 28, to make disciples by the example of how we live. I'm a communicator, I'm a preacher, I'm a teacher. I love to communicate, friends, but it doesn't stop there. I've got to exemplify it. I've got to live it. As I've already said, we've got a world out there that is rooted, enmeshed, overwhelmed with religious cynicism. And the church is going to arise in these days and say, we're going to book the trend. Because we're going to say some words to you that guess what? As ordinary people in our ordinary worlds, we're going to live different as well. We're going to make a difference by the way that we live. Now, Gemma, I don't know whether it's just possible for a couple of moments just to allow those to just continue to work through. I'm going to sit on my stool for a couple of moments and then a closing verse to finish. Thank you.
carrying culture, it's individually received because it's on the basis of a statement of our belief in Jesus. It's increasingly revealed, at least it ought to be. And it's independently worked out in our, interdependently worked out in our lives as we embrace what God wants to do together. Let me just remind you, I think, of a statement that's going to live with us over the next few weeks, courtesy of a friend of mine and fellow team member at another level. Culture is the beliefs and behavior characteristic of a particular group. Brothers and sisters, this is so important. Someone said this in terms of that independent, interdependent essence of what we need in church. If everybody behaved in arena church like me, what sort of church would arena church be? If everybody in arena church behaved like me, what sort of church would arena church be? And friends, that's a powerful question because you don't just need me or Christian. We need you. We need you to embrace what God is doing in these days on the basis and statement of our belief in Jesus that we would move forward together for his glory and praise. I have to say, friends, and it's uncomfortable to say it, but the day of easy believism in the Western church is over. It's finished. The passionate call of Jesus by his spirit to the church in these days. It's not, what is the church doing to meet my needs? It's a committed followership to his purposes. That bring about, friends, a challenge to our priorities, our pathways, how we live, and our purpose. Discipleship is a cultural value of Arena Church. It's not just about talking the talk, but it really is walking the walk. And I can't think of any better words this morning than the words of Jesus in another translation in the context of discipleship in the Gospels. He said this, no procrastination, putting it off. No backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. Arena Church, let's do just that.